Welcome to the Grace Church Conversations podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared. And I'm Craig. And here we are again. You are back. Hey, I am news back. to tell. News to tell. There's a baby. There's a baby. In my own likeness. In your, <laughs> in your own likeness. I guess that's and, true. And Sarah's as well, I assume. Yes. It's a, yeah. She is half my likeness. Yes. Okay. So, so yeah. tell us, so we've been off for two weeks. We and, have been. And, and because you've been on paternity leave. Yes. Thank you for that. And tell us a little bit about uh, the, the, ba- the when she was born, her name, yeah. all, that kind of, all that kind of exciting stuff. Yeah, she's good. So uh, Addison Lynette, she was born uh, Saturday, August 24th. Yeah. Uh, she, it was at 1120 at night. We got to the hospital around, well, Sarah was having some like contractions here and right. there Friday, and we just weren't sure what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then she woke me up around 6 on Saturday morning and just said, Hey, I think it's time. And it's like, all right, let's do it. Oh, so yeah. we stayed at home for another hour, eight and just waited to see if they were regular. Mm-hmm. They got regular. So we went up to the hospital and got there around seven forty-five and hung out. And, uh, 15 hours later, there's oh, a baby, my. Well. <laughs> but, uh, now we just hung out and it was, it was a good time. And, uh, yeah, she came out and uh, she came out face up. Okay, which means her her face was was against Sarah's bones. Uh huh. So she came out and her face was flat. Oh. And so they take her over. They're cleaning her up. And they're like, Dad, don't you want to go see your baby? And I'm like, Oh yeah, let's go. Uh-huh. So I go over there and they're like, Dad, isn't she beautiful? I'm like, Hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she yes. Yes. But also at the same time, I feel like I don't know what she actually looks like. She yet. had a tough. Yeah. 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 So she has this, you know, quite a quite a good little uh, swollen spot on the top sure. of her head. And her nose was pretty well smushed. Sure. <laughs> it was Aww. really cute. But uh, yeah, she's doing really great. She's healthy. She's gaining weight. Her face is starting to get pudgy. I'm starting to see little rolls on her arms Aww. up here. Uh, That's so, great. Yeah, I'm excited. So she's great. Sarah's great. We stayed at the hospital for another night after that. And then we went home on Monday the 26th. And uh, yeah. It was, it was just, uh, there's a lot to adjust to. Um, and you're not getting much sleep cause you told me, uh, yeah, she's a fussy I don't, baby. I don't get much sleep. So she, I'm very honest now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. before we started when, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, uh, normally I have a pretty good filter. I feel like. Yeah. It's gone. Uh, it's just, it's gone. Yeah. It's completely gone. You were, you were saying, you know, was it a couple <laughs> weeks back? I said, I really like your intro sermons right. cause Cause they're just, it, you do such a good balance between just the facts and the information, the background, but then bringing application sure. and we joked about how <laughs> I say that because I actually don't like the rest of yeah, the sermons. Yeah. It's only the first sermon. So, but now you don't even like that. No. Now, now that you're honest. No. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I hope I don't say anything to cross <laughs> you, but, uh, <laughs> nothing like a, oh a new parent, a, a, new, a sleep deprived new parent yes. who's very joyful on the one hand, but yes. very tired on the other. No, honestly, she, she has moments where she, she just has an attitude. <laughs> nice. So she has moments, but, uh, I, I feel like we're kind of slipping into a routine with her and Sarah's getting sleep when she can, I'm getting sleep mm. and we figured it out where, you know, we're not both dying of That's sleep good. deprivation or anything like that. So, well, I'm glad you're back. Congratulations. Thank you. We sell, all, all of us celebrate with you guys and yeah, glad to have you back. You. It was, we were away for two weeks and it's just good to be back to give the masses what they clamor for this podcast. It's true. It's true. I mean, I was celebrating with you, but feeling bad that, uh, so many 
we're being deprived. Yeah. Well, of, uh, I mean, the, the I can't tell you experience. the yeah. I can't tell you the number of people who came up to me and like, oh, great, congratulations on the baby. That's great. so. When are you going to be back? Absolutely. It's like, yeah, do it's you guys great not that you care? Got, it's, it's great that you got a baby, but what we really want yeah. is uh, is the uh, the the pure gold of this podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so I guess we'll just I. We're let's we're back. Yeah, let's we're back. It. Here we are. Okay. All right. Well, uh, man, Jonah's going awesome. Oh, it's thanks. really good so far. Really enjoying it. Um, and uh, yeah, we still have some questions that we've gotten over the past couple of weeks. So we're going to go ahead and go through some of those. Um, as a reminder to you guys listening, you can text in your sermon related questions to four six nine five seven three two nine two zero, and we endeavor to answer those here. And here are some of the questions we got. Let's start with this first one. We see that the storm was sent by God as a result of Jonah's disobedience. Does God send natural disasters today in response to people's sin? Wow. That is a great question. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I love that. <clears throat> so like you said, some of these are going back from the last couple of mm-hmm. weeks. And uh, I love that people are thinking along those lines. You know, I thought about the actual storm itself. And I guess from the text, it doesn't tell us that it was a natural disaster in the sense that we think about it or a broad storm. I was thinking, you know, it, it could have been localized. Mm-hmm. Even if it was localized, I, there were still some bystanders uh, who were affected, uh, yeah. the sailors. But actually, they were affected for the good in the long run. Um, only Jonah. It was clearly an act of discipline for Jonah, mm-hmm. I, I think, the, the storm was. So what happens on other natural disasters? I mean, we just had a, a massive um uh, hurricane, you yeah. know, uh, Dorian just wiped out so much of uh, an island of the Bahamas. Yeah. Uh, so that's certainly a tragedy. So when a tragedy like that happens, are we to think, okay, the Lord did that, or you know, that storm because He's bringing judgment mm-hmm. on a certain group of people? Well, none of us know the mind of the Lord, obvious, obviously, but I don't think anyone. Um, can draw cause and effect today between disasters and specific sins of people. You know, we live in a fallen world, so in the sense that the world has fallen for sure, but specific sins or specific groups of sinners, it can happen. Uh, You know, people will say, well, because of this or that, uh, there was a a, uh, tragedy. And I think it's dangerous to even speculate. A a classic example of this going very bad, badly, was not a national disaster, natural disaster in the sense of a storm, but was a uh, disaster in the sense of tremendous loss of life. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go here because I, I think here's an here's an example of it going oh, I'm very so bad. Um, after 9/11, there was a very unwise conversation between Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson. I don't know if you remember this back. Pat Roberts, uh, Jerry Falwell was on the 700 Club, and this is a couple days after 9/11. And Falwell made the point that it was 9/11 was evidence of. Uh, God judging America, which we deserved. And uh, so that probably wasn't helpful in itself. But then he went on to name specific groups of people uh, for whom the judgment was, you know, at least Mm. certain groups of people's sin caused this to happen. So part of what he said was, quote, I really believe that the pagans and the abortionists and the feminists and the gays and the lesbians who are actively trying to make that an alternative lifestyle, the ACLU, people for the American way, all of them who have tried to secularize America, I point the finger in their face and say, you helped this happen. Oh my. So 
that kind of, you know, an overreach in my mind to, first of all, know the mind of the Lord. Uh, but then secondly, to ascribe a tragedy to certain people's sins, um, but to leave, but we all leave out other kinds of sins like self-righteousness or pride or um, materialism. I mean, there's a lot of sinners and groups yeah. of sinners in our in our country. Yeah. But to point to point out progressives and liberals as they did there, they're trying to secularize America, but not highlight what might be in his camp, our evangelical sins, you know, or whatever is, is unfortunate. Now I do want to make clear that a couple of days later he came back and said that was insensitive, uncalled for and unnecessary. Mm. Uh, so I only bring it up because he did say it was wrong, but I only bring it up because it shows in a moment of uh, an utter lack of wisdom, uh, what that does to, um, I, I would say hurt the Christian witness to yeah. people here. Oh, it's because of our sin, my sins that yeah. this happened. So I, I don't think we can know the mind of the Lord right. uh, on that sort of thing. And, and I don't think that we have evidence. I believe we do have in the old Testament, there is evidence of, you know, certain things happening in against uh, nations. You certainly see that, but now, Nowadays, I don't believe that without a, we don't have any biblical prophets speaking for God like right, the scripture. Right. So we don't have any means of knowing the divine will of the Lord, except in the scripture. And the scripture never tells us if you have, you know, this kind of people in your culture, God will crush your culture with a storm yeah. or something like that. We don't, yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. have that. Uh, so uh, when destruction does come in some form, I don't think we should ever assign blame. I, I think what we should do as the church is be circumspect, humble ourselves before the Lord. And disasters are a time to help. They're a time to serve. Mm -hmm. They're a time to grieve. They're a time to mourn. They're never a time to assign blame. And uh, thankfully, he like I said, took those comments back. But yeah. But it's an example of where... It's 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 unhelpful to think that. I don't think our question our questioner was sure, sure. saying that, so I'm not yeah. correcting the questioner. But I just think um, what happened with Jonah probably wasn't. An, it could have been localized. Could have been big. I don't know. Yeah. But we never know what's happening. This it's an opportunity for us to not be looking at someone else's sins. To let's let's humble ourselves and then let's say how can we be a blessing during a time of tragedy mm -hmm. and and represent Christ well, which never happens if we're assigning blame. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I, I've often wondered about this, and I feel like the place that I've always gone to when we look at natural disasters or even the acts of, of right. one sinner against another. Yeah, sure. Um, I think of Luke 13 where Jesus is teaching oh, yeah, yeah. and, you know, it says, you know, there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose yeah. blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. So they're thinking like, hey, look at these yeah, people. Yeah. Jesus, what did they do wrong? What mm -hmm. sins did they commit? And then he says, he answers them. Do you think that those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And it just makes me think. And, and I, I mean, I don't know his heart. Falwell's heart sure. when he was making those comments, but sure. it does come across as very self-righteous. Sure. Whereas if we get an inkling that God is dishing out judgment like sure. that on people for sin, shouldn't that make us terrified? Yeah, I think like, so. Oh my goodness. Like they're those, they have those sins. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We can be honest about that. Sure. You know, scripture talks about those sort, those sorts of things being, you know, some things being sin, we can call sin, sin, of but course. we also need to say, well, I'm guilty of sin too. Yeah. Let's broaden the sin list. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, let's broaden the sin list. Oh and, my goodness. <laughs> and, and certainly let's look at the ministry of Jesus when he was calling who, which, what sins did he call out the greatest? It really would have been, it would have been religious people that were self-righteous. Mm -hmm. They got, they got a lot more rebuke than, uh, 
tax collectors, prostitutes, yeah. the, what would have been the scandalous sinners of the day. And so we look at what are the scandalous sinners of our day and uh, from a religious mindset. And I think we just, we should be starting with ourselves, lumping ourselves and saying yeah. we're, we're all... Uh, you know, we're all sinful, but it is an opportunity to repent. I think when something yes. does happen and it's an opportunity for us to all look at our own hearts and say, mm-hmm. Lord, uh, you know, Hey, this is, this is an eye opener. You are really big. We are really small. Mm-hmm. Uh, life is really short. And, uh, so there is a place to, I think, respond to the Lord. So again, I'm not here just to bash somebody who's <laughs> not even living. He, he's not even living anymore, but, sure. uh, uh, but I did think it was one that I know he wish he had back. I'm sure he wishes he had back and, uh, I'm, and, uh, but a good lesson yeah. for all of us. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's good. Um, cool. Here's the next question. Why does God allow us to run in the first place? We're talking about Jonah kind of running from the will of God yeah. and, you know, refusing to obey and going to Nineveh. So why does God allow us to run in the first place? Why would an all powerful God let us go? Or does he lose his power and grip over us? It's a really good question. Does when, when one wanders, is that a statement about the weakness of God's ability mm. to hold on to us? Yeah. Um, so I, I think what I would say about that is that, you know, our growth, once we know the Lord, our growth in uh, relationship with him, the kind of the theological word for that sanctification, our growth in sanctification is a process of our uh, our work and God's work. It's both. Now, it's not in the same way. We work, uh, you know, uh, Philippians 2 says we work because he is at work in us ultimately. Yeah. But it is both. It's not, we're not just passive. It's not God doing his deal and doesn't matter what we do. We are responsible and we can stray. And as a matter of fact, there are warning passages in the in the Bible that we have to really pay attention to. One would be Hebrews 3. And it says, take care, uh, verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Mm. Um, So... You know, he says now our confidence is ultimately if, if if we confess Christ at the end, you know, if our life is characterized by genuine belief in him. Uh, I, so I, I do believe this is another question for another podcast, but I do believe that God does hold us to the end. If yeah. someone if someone ultimately completely denies the Lord, falls away, well, you know, they didn't have a genuine uh, faith to begin with. But the reason there are real warnings like this is because the deceitfulness of sin can lead us to stray. We can, um, we can uh, have a lead us to a what it says here an unbelieving uh, kind of a heart. So there, there is a choice. Now we realize that what happens is that Jonah's brought back. He is repentant, mm-hmm. and he's even sketchy after that. But he does come back to the Lord, <laughs> and the Lord does stick with him. Sketchy so, Jonah. <laughs> yeah. So the question is: Is God is an all powerful God? Let us go. Uh, in an ultimate sense, once we're regenerate, no, we're not. But there's still sound warnings not to presume upon grace. If someone mm. presumes upon that grace and says, it doesn't matter what I do, do God's got a hold of me so yeah. I can do whatever I want. That's not genuine faith. Genuine yeah. faith does not say, hey, I can do whatever. It doesn't matter. God's got me. That is a presumption yeah. and an abuse of grace. Genuine faith says God's got me and 
I love him for his grace yeah. that he does hold me. And I want to respond to him. Yeah. And I do fall and I do wander and I do stray. And at times I'm mad at him and I do act like an unbeliever. But I ultimately want to come back. I will come back, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think, you know, why does God allow us to run in the first place? Because God uh, doesn't force us. Uh, as Christians, as those who are in the process of sanctification, it's not a forced sanctification. It is a response of love to love the Lord our God with all mm. our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. Uh, and and that is our calling: is to respond with a life of worship and love. And we have a choice in that matter yeah. each day what we do. So I, I think that's what makes a walk with Christ a beautiful thing: is it's not a for He gives us the power and He sustains us, but it is something that we must uh, willingly. Uh, respond to in it like any other yeah. relationship. That's good. Uh, cool. All right. Well, let's move on to this next question. In the sermon, you say you can't have run too far or it is never too late for you to turn back to God. I've wondered if you can offend the Holy Spirit and not be forgiven, even though you have a desire for God. Yeah. Now the person used the language of offend the Holy Spirit instead of blaspheme the Holy Spirit. But I wonder if that's what they meant because mm. the idea of, I wonder if you can offend the Spirit and, and then somehow you aren't forgiven. Even though the question was, you said, if you have a desire for God. And this is a question, if that's not the question the person's asking, you know, text us back in and, and cor correct me what you were trying to ask me, because I, I could have missed this. But the idea that some people have is, could I run so far from the Lord that I commit the unpardonable sin, like mm. a blaspheme the spirit, and yeah. then there's no hope for me, even if I have a desire for God? Well, the fact, I'll come back to that, but the, yeah. if you have a desire for God, it's a really key phrase yes. right there. Yeah. But uh, th this idea comes from, uh, it's, uh, it's in several of the gospels, but in Mark in particular, it's the one I'm going to read, Mark uh, 3. Uh, Jesus says, truly, verse 28, truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin hmm. for they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So you have to look at the the context. What happens is a few verses earlier, this, the religious leaders come and they say, Jesus is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons, he's casting out demons. So he's doing all these tricks by casting out demons, but he's doing that they're not real. He's only doing that because he's possessed by the chief demon. Yeah. So this wasn't someone who says, man, I've kind of, I, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I've kind of messed up. These are people that are so blinded that they see the very work of Jesus. And when they encounter him, he says, oh, that is clearly... Of the devil, Jesus is Satan, and it's satanic is yeah, what they're yeah. saying. That's a blasphemy, yeah. and you, they've so missed uh, their opposite, their spiritual blindness and opposition to Jesus is so strong that it's saying if you um, are so uh, you know spiritually dead that you mistake the very work of God for the work of Satan, then then there's no forgiveness for that person who persists in that. Yeah. Ultimately, that's an eternal sin. Yeah. Um, but the person who would be like that um, would never have as this questioner asks, have a desire for God. Um, if you don't want to blaspheme the spirit, if you don't want to commit that sin, then you clearly haven't. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you're saying, I want to please the Lord, but maybe I've gone too far and I've offended the Holy Spirit and he's going to let me go something. Uh, th that is not what's in view here. So I stand by what I was saying yeah. in the sermon. There is always time. I think the person that commits this sin, ultimately, e even the scribe who said this could repent before death, but the person who 
persists in this kind of spiritual opposition Mm -hmm. to the person and work of Jesus, then indeed that person is lost. But the person who who wants to know Christ and follow him, that person is, uh, there's always time. And that's why we've been talking Sundays about praying for friends and family that we love who ha- who aren't believers, that yeah. there's always hope. And I've said on Sunday mornings, if you're here, maybe you've, you feel very far from God, but there is always mercy for you. Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never, or in, I think one translation, I will in no wise, or I will never cast out. That mm-hmm. Jesus, anybody comes to me, I, by faith, I will receive. Yeah. And so there's such tremendous hope in that. That's the message we want to be holding out to people. Mercy extended to you. And if you're listening to this and you have wandered, every Sunday we're talking about this, the Lord welcomes you back. And Jonah wandered tremendously, but he's welcomed back without scolding, without a probationary period, without, well, we'll see how well you do if I let you back in. No, the Lord welcomes him and restores him to the task that he previously gave him. So um, the, the prodigal, the story of the prodigal son represents the same thing. God is a God of mercy. And, uh, so the person wondering about this, no, there's, there's, it, it's never too late. Yeah, that's good. All right. Uh, here's the next one. Uh, <laughs> hello. What do you think of the possibility that Jonah died in the belly of the fish and was raised to life three days later? Could it be that resurrection from the dead after three days is the sign of Jonah that Jesus speaks about? Well, I love that. We couldn't get to all the questions because we're doing three weeks of questions today. But I actually asked you if we could do this one because I I like this one um, because what this communicates is, see, that never occurred to me. So many things never occurred to me. But (laughs) people are interacting with the scripture and they're having these great thoughts, ideas. What is this possible? Could this have happened? Uh, I I think it's fascinating. I, I would say that I don't think that's what what's happened because uh, scripture doesn't say that he died. It doesn't, he doesn't, it, the scripture doesn't portray Jonah as resurrected mm-hmm. in, in the passage. And in fact, it portrays the time of him in the great fish as a time of awakening, as a time of enlightenment. So it doesn't, because he's crafting the psalm. He's praying. He's praising God. He's recognizing the work of God. It, it seems to it seems to communicate an awakening for him. And that's not what happened with Jesus. When Jesus died, he was dead. This wasn't a period of like spiritual. He Spiritually, he didn't come to his senses. He never lost his senses. He was perfect, you know, Jesus. Um, so I, I, I don't think that's what he's talking about when he says the, the sign of Jonah. I don't think mm. it's saying that Jonah was resurrected, so is Jesus. I think it was saying that um, he's comparing the response of Nineveh. There's a lot going on there. But I think he's, he's saying is, as Jonah was sort of entombed in a fish for three days, so Jesus is entombed in the earth, uh, but will will come back to life. So I think one, the, the fact that the act of Jonah is a type of the work of Christ doesn't mean it's a one-to-one correspondence. We talked mm. a little bit about types that, that Sunday and saying yeah. that there are Old Testament's types and shadows which mm-hmm. point to Christ or the church or something in the New Testament. Yeah. But the very fact that they're a type means they they represent it. Not I, not I, It's not a one-to-one correspondence. Yeah. It's like, like Jonah's like this, but Jesus is the greater Jonah. Mm-hmm. Jesus is something greater here. So his work is greater. So I don't think it's one-to-one. Jonah's resurrected. Jesus resurrected. No, Jonah's in a fish and spat, you know, he spat out, vomited out, whatever. But in a greater way, Jesus is resurrected. So I don't think they correspond. One is greater than the other. Yeah, that's good. That's helpful too. All right, here's this last one. Are the people of Nineveh converted? 
Yeah, well, that's from this last week, and uh, wondering about that, uh, I was uh, talked to you about that even Sunday and said, "Hey, I'm not going to answer this, but maybe we could talk about it on the podcast." So yeah. the people of Nineveh converted. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, there, I will say this: that I think there's there's something different. There's a couple things that happen differently between the city of Nineveh and the sailors. In the book that we have on the book table, or the, not the book table, but whatever, the, the kind of resource center out there that we've, uh, Prodigal Prophet by Tim Keller, mm-hmm. he says that he doesn't believe so. And there's a couple of reasons. One is that when they respond, this is a small thing, this doesn't solve it, but it says they believed God. Verse five, the people of Nineveh believed God, which is uh, the name Elohim. It's the generic name of God. Whereas the sailors in chapter one, therefore they, the sailors, called out to the Lord, O Lord, O Yahweh. They call out Mm. to the covenant God. There's something that they understand about the covenant God, Yahweh, which is the name uh, for God, uh, I am, Mm -hmm. the name that is his name as the covenant people of God. Elohim is a generic name of God, which is how they respond. Uh, That's a small thing, but maybe an important detail. Also, there's nothing of them offering sacrifice. The sailors offer a sacrifice to God. Uh, So there's no, there's no kind of sacrificial atonement happening Mm -hmm. with the people of Nineveh. Obviously they're not circumcised. I mean, neither are the the sailors for that matter, but they don't do the kinds of things that are signs of the covenant. Um, There's no sign of forsaking their idols or their gods. Now, technically there's no sign of that with the sailors either, but the way the narrative reads, they call out to their gods. uh, Nothing happens. They hear from Jonah about Yahweh, the covenant God of the, of the Hebrew people, uh, the old covenant, what we call the old covenant. And they respond to the covenant God uh, with offering a sacrifice and making vows. Mm. So I don't know, are, are the sailors converted? Are they, but we can at least say there is a difference between yeah. the two. The other thing we point to, we don't know what happened to these random sailors, but historically there's no, um, the Assyrians don't become uh, Hebrews. They don't all change. There's no yeah, history yeah, yeah. of that. Now, there's a lot of people converted at revivals in history that we don't that that don't last long term. Most revivals don't last. People are converted. Something happens. A lot of people come, but it's not like the whole city. You think about the Welsh revival. Anything, any kind of the great, the first two, the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening. Mm-hmm. I mean, where the Great Awakening took place, those are arguably some of the coldest spiritually, spiritually, and I guess temperature wise too. But New England, <laughs> but the spiritually, some of the coldest places. Uh, for the church in the country. So it's not like just because there are conversions, you expect that multiple uh, decades or hundreds of years later, there's still a Christian witness there. So I wouldn't say just because there's not a historical record of the Assyrians uh, worshiping Yahweh, that some of them didn't, or this didn't last. But we don't know. It doesn't present it. It does repent, a repentance and a turning to alleviate, alleviate uh, the coming of destruction. But it doesn't say that they become Hebrews in the sense that we mm. would think as, as God-fearers or worshipers yeah. of God. Um, so I read a number of commentaries and didn't and made no point of this on Sunday because I read Keller and I was like, oh, I've always kind of thought of them really more of this as a revival, like I, they all did become real believers. I was, I was a little bit surprised that he said no, but then I read a number of commentaries. And it was mixed. A 
couple have said, yeah, this is revival. Some said, no, you know, and, and for the reasons I stated. Um, so maybe they did, but it didn't last historically. There may have mm. been a few people down the road, but the city, it wasn't a, it wasn't a city that would have in the long term. Actually, they are judged later by God. This city is. Um, so we, we find that out uh, elsewhere in the Bible. So there's no sense in which they all become God friends, God's friends after this. So mm. it does. Does that make it empty, you know, in one way? And I, and I would say no. I think that there is a lesson here. And Keller really picks this up and plays off it. And I won't spend any more time talking about it other than to say <laughs> there is something good that still happened here um, in that socially they did turn at least at this time for how long we don't know from evil and hurting one another it mm-hmm. makes the point the greatest to the smallest Keller really plays it up does he take it too far maybe but he really talks about there's a societal change here there's some justice that takes mm. place when when the least to the greatest all repent and they don't do evil and violence to one another that's a really positive societal value so yeah. i'll just throw this out there we you know uh, there's some we we want to see ultimately not ultimately. We want to see in the first place, we want to see our culture flourish. We want to see the common, yeah. we want to act for the common good. Yeah. But ultimately, it's the gospel witness we're after. So did, did that happen here? We don't know, but something good did happen. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll leave it with that. All right. Well, thanks for that, man. And thanks for taking time out of your evening. I know that you're short on time, so we'll go yeah, ahead and wrap short up. Today, but, but thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you guys again next week. Hello to Addison from yes. us all. Yes. Give her a absolutely. big hug and a kiss from, from the listening audience. I will. We have, a, we have not all met her, but we all love her. Aww. I feel like because we all love you and well, that's Sarah. That's so meaningful. There you Aww. go. Well, thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.